This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. It's nice to see you all. This is episode number 85 entitled Angels as Agents of the One True God, Part 2. If this is your first time, you should know that the Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. I appreciate you so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith. As always, I am your host. Again, if this is your first time, welcome. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on future episodes. And if you are a regular listener, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Last week, we began to examine how God represents himself in the sending of angels to his people within the Hebrew Bible. The angels, which comes from the Hebrew noun denoting a messenger, appear to be authorized to act in God's stead in both word and deed. According to the principle of agency that was widely known in the ancient Near East, the agent was as the one who sent him. So, if God commissioned an angelic messenger, that angel could speak the words of God as if he was God. And that angel could be addressed as if he was God. However, no one in the ancient Near East would confuse the messenger for the one who sent the message. These angels of the Lord were not the Lord himself. They were his authorized messengers. Inevitably, the messenger and God would be blurred within the communication of the message. And this blurring should be reckoned as the natural agentival representation of the principle of agency, rather than suggesting that God and the messenger were one and the same person. This week's episode will continue to look at passages within the Hebrew Bible where there is this blurring between an angel and the God who sent him, in order to, hopefully, better understand how God utilizes these emissaries to reveal his words and mighty deeds. I also aim to use what I learn about angels representing God as a lens through which I can responsibly understand how the New Testament regards Jesus as the one sent by God as his authorized agent. So, without further ado, let's dig into this week's text in order to better understand the function of God's angelic messengers. Our first point today is looking at the angel present within the burning bush. I'm going to read a passage in Exodus chapter 3, and I'm going to start in verse 1. Now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of Yahweh appeared to him in a burning bush from the midst of a bush. And he looked, 
and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burnt up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. That is Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. In this commissioning story of Moses, the angel of Yahweh, the angel of the Lord, appears in a bush that perpetually burns. Since the angel appears, it seems more likely that this messenger is one of the heavenly angels rather than a human messenger. It should also be pointed out that there is no definite article in front of the word angel. So readers should not necessarily conclude that this angel is in some class by himself as the angel of the Lord. It is just an angel of the Lord. While chapter 3 and verse 2 states that the angel was in the blazing fire from the midst of the bush, verse 4 indicates that God called to Moses from the midst of the bush. Furthermore, chapter 3 and verse 6 declares that the speaker from within the bush is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Lastly, the text says that Moses turned away from the bush because he was afraid to look at God. Although this phrase God needs to be qualified since the only thing visible to Moses is a burning bush. The reader is posed with the blurring of the lines between this angel of Yahweh and Yahweh himself. The angel appears to Moses, but it is God who speaks. This interplay between the angel and God is maintained when the episode is cited in the New Testament in Acts chapter 7 verses 30 to 31. Let me read those verses. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in the flame of a burning thornbush. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight and as he approached to look more closely, there came the voice of the Lord. Acts 7, verses 30 through 31. So we can see there that an angel appeared to Moses, but it was the voice of the Lord that was speaking. So, what are we to make of this passage in Exodus chapter 3? Both the original passage and its reference in Acts chapter 7 indicate the two characters involved in the meeting of Moses, both the angel and the Lord. Is there a theophany at play here? This seems unlikely because the text doesn't say that Yahweh became the angel of the Lord, nor does it say that Yahweh became 
the burning bush. Both the angel and Yahweh speak from within the bush, from its midst. So they aren't equated exactly. Is the angel of the Lord a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus? This also seems unlikely because neither the text nor its surrounding context make any such claim. Furthermore, the passage's citation in Acts chapter 7 never says that Jesus is anywhere involved in the meeting of Moses. We are, again, left with the most obvious conclusion. The angel is a messenger who represents Yahweh fully. As a messenger, this angel appears to be able to speak for God in the fullest measure, even speaking in the first person. Nevertheless, the angelic emissary should not be confused for the God who sent the emissary. In sum, the most likely explanation for the angel speaking the words of Yahweh is that of a highly commissioned agent, empowered in the fullest measure. The angel of Yahweh is a messenger, not Yahweh himself. Our second point today is looking at the wilderness angel who bears God's own name. I'm going to read a passage here out of Exodus chapter 23, and I'm going to start in verse 20. Behold, I am going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Be on your guard before him and obey his voice. Do not be rebellious toward him, for he will not pardon your transgression, since my name is in him. But if you truly obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. That's Exodus chapter 23, verses 20 through 22. What a powerful passage. This angel is another example where God and his messenger are closely related, but in a way that is best described in terms of agency rather than divine identity. In fact, there remains a clear distinction throughout the passage between God and the angel. God will send the angel before the Israelites. The angel will both guard and bring the Israelites into the place that God has prepared. The angel, as the representative of God, is to be obeyed with the same obedience due to God. The most important point of this passage is in verse 21, Exodus 23, verse 21, where God declares that his own name is in this representative angel. God has shared his name with his agent. So, the angel can presumably act with the full authority of God. This is how the angel can authoritatively demand obedience that is due to God alone. 
Again, Exodus 23:21 has God saying that my name is in him. God's name is within this angel. This passage actually one of the most illuminating episodes showing how God invests his authority into his angels, into his messengers. Angels can bear the name of God, and therefore it makes sense that an angel bearing God's name can speak for God in the first person, as well as be addressed as God. Both of these points are to be naturally qualified by noting that the angel is never to be confused with the one who sent him, no matter how fully the angel represents God. Passages in the New Testament, like Philippians 2.10, where God invests his name into the risen and exalted Jesus, should be read in light of God's regular practice of investing his name in his representative angels, as we see here in Exodus chapter 23. Our third point today is looking at the messenger from Gilgal. This is from a passage in Judges chapter 2 and verse 1, which says, Now, the angel of Yahweh came up from Gilgal to Bachim, and he said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land which I have sworn to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. That's Judges chapter 2 and verse 1. As with our previous passage involving the angel of Yahweh in the burning bush encounter, this angel of Yahweh does not have a definite article in Hebrew. It would be unwise to insist that this angel is the angel of Yahweh, as if there was only one within that category. So I'm going to refer to this angel as an angel of Yahweh, as the Hebrew text rightly says. It is interesting to consider whether this angel of Yahweh is a heavenly emissary or a human messenger. When we carefully note that the angel came up from Gilgal rather than from heaven, it may seem that this is a human being, a human messenger. However, consideration must be given to the fact that the Israelites encountered the captain of the host of Yahweh back in Joshua chapter 5, and this took place in none other than Gilgal the town that we see referenced here in Judges 2 and verse 1. So the narrator of Judges assumes that the reader is aware of the previously mentioned episode back in Joshua, chapter 5. So this angel of Yahweh is almost certainly the captain of the host of angels and is thus a heavenly emissary, not a human one. This angel not unlike many of the angelic appearances before him, speaks in the first person of God, with the blurring of the lines between the sender and the agent. The angel says, I brought you up from Egypt. I led you into the land, which I swore to your fathers. I 
will never break my covenant with you. It is clear that this emissary feels comfortable speaking as if he were God himself. Should this be attributed to the fact that he is, by definition, a messenger of Yahweh? This actually appears to be the earliest Jewish understanding of this passage, based upon the Greek translations of Judges. And yes, I was clear there. I said translations in the plural. For those who are unaware, the book of Judges is preserved in two different Greek translations from the Hebrew, known in scholarly circles as the Vaticanus Septuagint and the Alexandrian Septuagint. In these Greek versions of Judges, chapter 2 and verse 1, the passage was translated in a way to clarify the ambiguity between the angel and Yahweh. So I'm going to compare these three texts. As a reminder, I'll read the passage as it is preserved in our modern English translations from the Hebrew. Then I will compare it as it was interpreted in these two versions of the Septuagint. So let's begin with a rereading of the English translation from the Hebrew that is found in our modern English Bibles. That says, Now the angel of Yahweh came up from Gilgal to Bakim, and he said, I brought you up out of Egypt. That is our English version from the Hebrew. Now the Alexandrian Greek translation says, And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal, and the Lord said to them, The Lord brought you up out of Egypt. That again is the Alexandrian version. And then the Vaticanus version of the Septuagint says, And an angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal and said to them, Thus says the Lord, I brought you up out of Egypt. Both of the versions of the Septuagint, in different ways, interpret Judges 2 and verse 1, to say that the angel of the Lord speaks on behalf of the Lord, without equating the two as a single person. The Alexandrian version changes the verb brought, as in brought up from out of Egypt, from the first person singular to the third person singular, and even inserts the Lord as the subject of that sentence. So in the Hebrew version, the angel speaks in the first person, I, and uses the first person singular verb, I brought you up out of Egypt. But the Alexandrian version inserts the Lord as the subject and changes the verb to a third person singular. The Lord brought you up from out of Egypt. The Vaticanus Greek version of the Septuagint inserts the phrase, thus says the Lord, before the first person, I brought you up out of Egypt, clarifying the interpretation that the angel of the Lord speaks on behalf of the Lord, not as the Lord himself. Now, of course, it needs to be admitted that the Greek versions do not prove what the original Hebrew text was supposed to mean. The Greek versions only offer clues as to its earliest interpretation. Be that as it may, it still seems wise to regard the angel of the Lord in Judges 2 and verse 1 as a representative emissary, an agent 
of Yahweh who is authorized to speak for Yahweh, even using Yahweh's own words in the first person, without attempting to suggest to the readers that the messenger is Yahweh himself. Not only does this reading seem to be the natural understanding of the function of a messenger, but it is also how at least two early Greek-speaking translators regarded the meaning of the passage. So, in conclusion, we have observed that the Hebrew Bible continues to offer a variety of episodes wherein angels represent the true God in various ways. Sometimes they speak on God's behalf. Sometimes they lead the Israelites in the wilderness, and sometimes they even fight Israel's battles. We noted that angels are authorized agents, speaking the words of Yahweh, often in the first person. As representative emissaries, these angels can even be called God in a manner that was never intended to be understood as a reference to the true God, but as one who speaks on behalf in the capacity of a messenger. We also saw that God can share his name with his representative angels, which meant that the angel now needed to be obeyed as one would obey God. This sharing of the name of God with a created being seems to make for an appropriate parallel to the Apostle Paul's insistence that the Father has shared his name with the risen Jesus in Philippians 2 verse 10. Lastly, we observed that an angel of the Lord can repeat in the first person promises that God himself said while speaking in the capacity of an authorized messenger. To regard God as his own messenger would be a mistake and a failure to situate the Hebrew Bible in the context of the principle of agency prevalent within the ancient Near East, wherein an angel fully represented the one who sent him. If you enjoyed the Biblical Unitarian Podcast and you would like to support its episodes, please check out this episode's description for a link to donate. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Until next time, you folks take care.